You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you You'd be like heaven to touch I wanna hold you so much At long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you I have a dick on my face, don't I? Everybody, welcome. My name is Matt. I'm here with Andrew. Today, we're going to be talking about 10 things I hate about you, who the main character is, the Shakespearean connections, and why crumb oats will forever disturb me. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces, and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. Well, that's why I think it was like that, because it was, it was, they were trying to base it off, you know, Timmy of the Shrew. Right. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at that high school, I mean, the, the director got that high school. Well, it's actually a high school, too. It. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, today we're going to be talking about uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, this movie came out in 1999 and was a breakout movie for a couple different stars. Um, what stars are those? Heath Ledger for the main one. This is the first American movie. First American movie, and it's a, fir- and it's a Hollywood it's a studio movie, and he plays the lead in it. Well, now, now, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought about it, and I was like, Andrew's going to come back on me on this because he always has a problem with with who everybody says the lead is because you have your own ideas on who the lead is in different movies you watch, mm-hmm. especially when it's kind of ambiguous, um, or when you have multiple leads, I guess you'd say. So the movie, um, the you know, the movie starts out with. Joseph Gordon-Levitt being the lead, but then about a quarter, maybe halfway through, you realize that he's not the lead, and it's Heath Ledger. Maybe it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's movie at the beginning, but it's definitely Heath Ledger's movie at the end, as far as being the male lead or whatever. I disagree. How do you disagree? I think it's a a Justin Gordon-Levitt movie, like basically at the beginning, and then it's a Julia Stiles movie for the rest of it. <laughs> Julia Stiles movie. Yeah. I, well, I know that the director considers Heath Ledger the, the lead of the movie, um, and and it's it's interesting how they kind of flow into that. Now, this is back in the day when you know generally you had leads that were male, and the females in the the movies weren't leads, or they'd be called the female lead or whatever, but they would never usually be called the lead unless it was an obvious, you know, female driven movie or mm-hmm. whatever, but. I don't know. I, I think it's ambiguous. I think it could be taken either way. Um, I think the, the best way I've found to describe it is is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's movie at the beginning and Heath Ledger's at the end if you want to talk about male, male leads or whatever. Um, just because it starts out with him coming to school and, you know, the entire school being explained to him by, uh, by another character. And... Uh, <clears throat> So it's really focused on him, and you really get little glances of Heath Ledger as Patrick Verona here and there, but you don't really see him until you you don't really get to get a a, uh, fresh idea of him until Joseph Gordon-Levitt and and uh, Kermont's 
this guy. Um, you have a silly reason for that. Yeah, I know, and we'll talk about it. But, yeah, he doesn't really get any good screen time until these guys come and approach him and ask him to be part of this thing. Um, uh, yeah, other than that, it's him trying to look intimidating, you know, playing with fire, using the drill thing to go through uh, Cameron's book. Um, you know, different things like that. You know, when he goes and talks to the counselor, you know, just real quick, and then he heads out and everything. So, you know, it's kind of like this bad boy thing. But then once you get to meet him, and then find, and then he finds out, okay, I'm gonna go and you know, I'm gonna take this deal. Then you kind of get a better sense of the inner working. So I guess it could go either way. I guess it could, you know, you could say, you could say Joey was. Well, no, you couldn't say Julia. No, Stiles. well, I mean, the reason I said Julia Stiles is because they literally go like to the background of her. You know, like you meet, you meet, you know, you find out that that's his sister or that's her sister. You know, and um, you know, you really got kind of get into the background of her, and then you get to meet her father. You get to go to her house. You know, I mean, you, you're getting well developed into this character because you know you're finding out all kind of you know, background information, you know, her mother, you know, you get, you get a backstory with her, you know, you don't get much of a backstory with, with Heath Ledger. Yeah. I mean, not, not even one with jo- Joseph, uh, Gordon Levitt's character. You don't really get a background with him either, but I mean, it, it really, I, that's why I felt like the second half of the movie was all about her. I suppose with rom-coms, um, generally the female is considered the lead, um, because rom-coms are targeted toward female audiences and everything. So, I guess that makes sense um, in, you know, in anything Molly Ringwald was in in the 80s. You know, yeah. she was the main character, you know, and you had these mm-hmm. little, these guys that, there wasn't much to them and everything, you know. It was just uh, another guy to, to, to uh, for her to be in love with or whatever. But, yeah, you know, I guess that makes sense. I, I could agree that may, that Julia Stiles is probably the main character of this movie. Um, a lot more of her background dived into um you get to see her family her family life see her whole character arc from what she used to be to what she is now um and you know she reads the poem that the movie's title comes from i hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair i hate the way you drive my car i hate it when you stare i hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind i hate you so much it makes me sick it even makes me rhyme I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse, when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You know, that that's that kind of thing. You know, like there wasn't really any kind of depth to any other character as much as there was for her. Yeah. Yeah, as I said before, this came out in 1999. You know, it came out the, at the end of the whole teen movie uh, craze and everything. Uh, it was directed by uh, Gil... Uh, I don't know if it's Junger or Younger. Um, Depends because on I know that yeah. if it's J-U-N-G, it could be pronounced Young. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the writers were uh, Karen McCullough and Kristen Smith. Um, as we said before, it stars uh, Heath Ledger as Patrick Verona, Julia Stiles as Kat Stratford, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Cameron James, um, Larissa Olenek, uh, David Krumholtz. You probably Andrew, didn't say that right, right? Probably not. Yeah. Andrew Keegan, uh, Susan May Pratt, Gabriel, uh, uh, Gabrielle Union, excuse me, uh, Larry Miller, Allison Janey. I mean, another one of these these movies that has these amazing casts. 
And and you, you know you know what's funny about this too is the fact that um you know <clears throat> excuse me that do you want to know out of these main characters do you want to know who the oldest one is out of all of them? Well, I know he kind of surprised me actually when when I read about this. I know his ledger was only eighteen when he auditioned. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say David Crumholtz. No, it's actually uh, Gabrielle Union. And this was her first movie. Uh huh. She, she did this. As well as uh, uh, she's all that, yeah. In the same year it came out, she was kind of blowing up with this and everything. But this one was her first movie because this was released first. I think she was twenty six in this movie. What? Yes, because she was born in seventy two, and you figure ninety nine, right? I guess it's crazy, right? That is crazy. Where where like even Joseph Gordon Levitt's actually older. He's older. Yeah, he's older than Julia Stiles. She, and it, Gabrielle Union would have been like 29. Yeah. Dang. You see what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Like, she's she's actually not that, as young as you think she is. And in this movie, she she's older than all of them. But she looks great. She, yeah. But it's uh, jo- Joseph Gordon Leverett's actually only like a month older, a month older than uh, Julia Stiles in this movie. Which, if you look at him and her together, like, you. You know, she she's always been that type of actress, and I've noticed is that she looks a lot older than she really is in some movies. Yeah, you know, like you see her in Born in the Born movies and stuff like that. She's not as old as she her character in the movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like she just is one of those people that probably don't age well. I guess <laughs> um, I'm not saying that she doesn't age well. I guess maybe maybe it's just the the her style or something. You know that that makes her look older or something. I don't know. What was she like? Uh, she would have had to be in seventeen or eighteen when this she was, was seventeen filmed. or eighteen. Because yeah, th- they were both born uh, in eighty one. Yeah. So in ninety nine, you were seventeen, eighteen years old. You were eight, was in seventy nine. Yeah, you were born. You were about eighteen, and well, the later half. It depends on when the movie was actually. You made. Shut your face. Yeah. Talk about oh. my years. Uh, <laughs> your ears or your years? No, my years. Oh, okay. And when I was born. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, it's one of these, you know, we talked about at the end of Can't Hardly Way, we we're going to have some movies, the movies coming up where, you know, we've had some stars that have passed on since then. Uh, last week we had She's All That. Um, and do you remember who we had there? Yeah, Paul Walker. Yeah. So we had Paul Walker, obviously. Um, he, he had passed away and everything. Uh, in this movie, obviously Heath Ledger um, also passed away since then. Hey, but didn't he? Hey, good thing is, is he did win uh, Academy Award for his role as Joker, right? Uh yeah 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 right. he is uh, post uh, posthumous posthumous it was yeah, a posthumous award, um and so yeah so and then yeah, of course you know the movie we're doing next week too, uh, which you'll find out um, we got another uh, another actor who we, who we've lost since then, um but yeah so you know obviously Heath Ledger his passing was a huge thing. Um, I don't know if it was so much bigger because he was in the middle of playing what some would call the role of a lifetime. Um, or if it was because it was so anticipated or hotly debated, him playing the Joker, um, it became this huge thing. And uh, obviously, you know, we don't like to discuss the details of of that kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, I I believe it was an accidental overdose that he had on some medication he was taking to, uh, I don't know if it was for sleep or or whatever it might be, complete accident and everything like that, but... um, you know, it's a tragic thing because he was young and he was blowing up. And this, this, this movie, he would have won a he would have won an Oscar even if he hadn't passed away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, 
it's one of those things where um, had he had he been alive today, you know, he probably would have been one of the biggest things in Hollywood right now. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had so much to offer, and, and I mean, you could see him in this role, you know, like... <laughs> Like uh, they they were doing, they were saying that he did a lot of his acting based on the Taming of the Shrew, and then his character in the Taming of the Shrew, you know. Uh, you mean what, the Elizabeth? Yeah. Um, which call it movie? Elizabeth, not Hurley. No, no, I'm I'm saying actually like his role in this movie, the way he acted, in the character uh, that he was playing in Taming of the Shrew, like the play Taming of the Shrew. Okay, so what were you saying about it? Then? Like, like he apparently he, um, the character in the in the play or whatever, uh, did a lot of these smiles and 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 uh, mannerisms with his face. You know what I mean? The the way he looked at people and the way he's constantly smiling and cheesing basically was like the same character in the play. Yeah, like like he played that very well. Apparently, from what they were saying. Yeah, I didn't know if you were talking about thinking of uh, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Um, oh no! Because no. Uh, back in the, back in the day in, uh, in the '60s, I believe there was a movie, "The Taming of the Shrew," yeah. and uh, Elizabeth Taylor pe- played the Katarina. Um, Richard Burton played Petruchio, um, and you know, obviously all these Shakespearean names. But obviously, this movie was—it's uh, based on the Taming of the Shrew, although it's not exactly like it. It's not. I mean, obviously, it's not like it because it's modern day with teens, but it's not even, it doesn't even have like the same um, plot steps, if that makes any sense. Um, so, like Joey's character as a suitor for uh, Bianca, yeah, um, that was actually like two characters merged into one. And then um, I'm not sure if there was like this whole payment for this person because. Back in the day, it was it was you know these characters. It was um, you know back back in those days, it was fathers trading their daughters to yeah. the future husbands for money, for land, whatever it may be. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those things. Like this person has so many suitors, but he had to get this person married off, so you know he yeah, could get yeah, as yeah. much money as he could, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So. Little, little different, uh, but this one involved, uh, you know, it has a lot of the same types of things. Yeah. Um, like, um, you know, uh, we were talking about the school and the name of the school. Uh, do you remember the name what, of the town, right? Do you remember what the uh, the, the, the name of the school? or? Padua High School is, is what they called it, and that was the, the town that the Taming of the Shrew took place in. Um, and this takes place in Seattle, Washington. Um, I've actually been to the place where they did the uh, the paintball scene and everything. Um, whenever I lived up there for a little bit, um, that was pretty cool. It was around this. I, I t- talked to my wife about that situation too because that just didn't make any sense. I mean, and and I was like, you know, who plays pa- <laughs> who plays paintball like that? And she said, no, it's literally called paintball. So it's like water, water, you know, instead of paint water balloons. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but instead of you know paintball, what we're used to is shooting with people with guns and stuff. Right. You know, where this one's throwing, <laughs> throwing, basically, uh, you know, it's it's like, like water some, balloon fight. Yeah, basically. yeah. It's basically like a bum said, "Hey, look at all this paint that I found on the side of the road. Oh, look, a bunch of balloons. Let's fill them up, and then uh, this little uh, place up under the bridge, we're gonna go ahead and uh, have people throw it at each other. You know." It's like, hey, let's try to get some money in. And, you know, probably people paid for it. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, it was right. It was pretty close to, uh, I think it's pretty close to the docks where um, 
where they did the Sleepless in Seattle scenes with Tom Hanks. Oh, okay. As well. But um, anyways, um, the director saw this when he was scouting locations, saw this high school, and it was originally uh, built as a hotel back in the early 1900s, I believe. And um, there was some kind of a fire and so they thought, oh, it's not good for guests anymore. Let's put a bunch of kids in there. Yeah, yeah, because that makes total sense. <laughs> and it does look like it's like on the precipice of a landslide, you know, like if any of that ground gives away, the entire building just, is going to come crashing I was just waiting down. for Dumbledore to walk out the front door. You it know? does kind of look like that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of a high school like I would want to go to, you know what I mean? Like there, there's that one high school in, in uh, Utah that, that they tend to – they tend to or Bonneville not not Bonneville it's uh, Ogden High Ogden High where they use it for a lot of movies and I think they used it for a teen uh, a rom-com teen movie they did Ooh. she's all that or not she's all that um, um, drive me crazy drive me crazy that's with, right uh, Clarissa explains yes. all Melissa Joan Hart yeah yeah that was a big uh, claim to fame in Utah yeah. when we lived in Ogden and but that Ogden school High is school. like ancient looking you know I mean it's it looks like something from you know it does 70s, look very weird 60s. yeah it's it's definitely Nothing new, you know. Yeah, if you guys Google it, it's definitely not your typical looking school. But this one is like so like monolithic and, and uh, you know, it has that huge, it's up on that huge cliff. and Yeah, and the gargoyles are going to jump down and uh, attack you. Yeah, and, they, and then they had that field down there below it and everything. I don't know. It just, when I saw this, it was like you said, I wanted to go here. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. And I think everybody sees that and is like, I would love to go to this school because yeah. it looks so cool. And, you know, it, you know, it's, it's beautiful, you know, and it's up on the cliff and you're overlooking the sound and everything like that. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, I I saw, I saw the score. I think that we can go ahead and give this the award for the best movie school ever. Uh, Hogwarts on site, actually. No, I, I even, I think this is even better than Hogwarts because you know, Hogwarts, you're expecting something You have moving stairs in Hogwarts. This is a real life school that people actually go to. Voldemort. In real life. Has uh, cruxes all over that school. Horcruxes. Yes. Have you ever been to Hogwarts? Has anybody ever been to Hogwarts? People have been to this school and go to this school. Yeah, I know. But you know, you know what's funny is that like it's got the football stadium next to it. It's 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 a rather large like what are they really that many students go there? And then is there really? I mean, they they probably have every class imaginable at that school. It's so large. Yeah, because this school is actually in Tacoma. Uh, yeah, very close to Seattle. But um, I don't know. It's it's it's. It's amazing, and I love the scene where uh, you know David Krumholtz's guy goes off the the, <laughs> the grassy area with up. his motorcycle. Well, not even a motorcycle, whatever that thing is. It's a dirt bike, and uh, you know <laughs> he just lands. He's like, oh, "I'm okay." <laughs> uh, that was pretty funny, um, and and the fact that this this school had a marching band in the the movie but in real life schools march in real life it doesn't have a a marching band marching bands from a different school that they got yeah that's close by and everything but i'm like man you have a school that big with a field that big and all this kind of stuff but no marching band it's a little weird it is and uh well you know what's funny too i was thinking about this just now is that you know all these movies they always have that one party in the movie have you noticed that where it's like it's like a defining party, you know, like can't ha- hardly wait. Where some stuff goes down. Yeah, can't hardly wait was like it was pretty much surrounding around that party. Right. You know, uh, she's all that. The premise of can't hardly wait is right. let's do a movie about those parties. Right. Right. She's all that it was the prom. You know, it was 
basically a party. But they had uh, the the party at Dulé Hills. Yes, hash. yes, yes. They had that yeah. party, and then uh, and then on this one they had a party as well. You know um, that. Normally, like David Krumholtz's character, probably has never been to any of these parties. And, and so. why are they always crashing these kids that don't want, don't want anything to do with these big parties, houses? Like, well, they're always on a mission. If you notice, you had the like, one girl that where you know they even referenced it in the movie. They said the girl with the big thighs or whatever, yeah. <laughs> and she she was in can't hardly wait, and they trashed her house, and she's just walking around the entire time like like just unraveling. Yeah, and then you got uh, Bogey in this one. Yeah. Which is the British word for a booger, mm-hmm. um, but he he's walking around just like collecting spit cups and freaking out and yeah. everything. He's like, "Can you take it outside, please?" Like crash outside. Yeah, this Thanks. character was like, he's. It seems like he should uh, he should be selling insurance somewhere. You know, the the guy that whose house it lived on. It was he's a very that creepy will be person. Nigel with the brie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, but you notice that, like even in the next two movies we're about to do. Um, there's a, that party that's defining party and and every single one of these movies that's that's a very similar thing you know that they have and and you know i just think it's ironic that every single time they have this party there is something drastic happens at the party you know what i mean and, and something big happens at the party like where you know you've come to find out that you know julie styles finds out that she uh she was kind of a a bet in a way Right, you know what I mean. So then, that that's a huge, big part of the uh, movie, and just like all these parties, something happens like that. You know, you know, is is Julia Stiles the queen of teen movies? You had asked me this two episodes yeah. ago, and can't hardly wait. And we've since then we've talked about like Jennifer Love Hewitt, Molly Ringwald, all that kind of stuff. But Julia Stiles, um, you know, but she didn't really, She had some stuff before Ten Things I Hate About You. The only thing that was really notable that people might have known, I think, is The Devil's Own with Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford. She played uh, Harrison Ford's daughter in that. In but, the Born Identity movies, she's in those. But I mean, like before Ten Things I Hate About You, that's really the only thing that she did big. But then she did Ten Things I Hate About You. She did a Hamlet, a Hamlet movie, and she did Oh. She also did... Uh, Which is based on uh, Othello. Yeah, but didn't she do another dance movie or something? Uh, she did. But I'm saying these are the th- these are three Shakespeare... First of all, yeah. she's done three Shakespearean remakes. She did The Ten Things I Hate About You, which is Taming of the Shrew. She did Hamlet, and she did O oh, for Othello. Um, so she's done those. She's done Save the Last Dance, um, Down to You with... Um, Freddie Prince. Freddie Prince Jr. Um, the Prince and Me. I mean... And I think that's about that's about when she ended. The Prince of Me was, I think, the last real cheesy kind of rom com that she did. But I mean, she did a lot of defining things back in the day as well. Yeah, I, I just it's hard for me to say that because, like, I'm not a huge fan of hers. Like, her face is just she always has the same face. Like, it's when she I think smiles, she's adorable. It's, it's scary. Like. Really? I see her smile. Her smile is not a very... It's not a good compliment for her. I I, I think she's adorable. I, I think this is one of those those cases where you and I just yeah. like have different tastes or whatever. I just... But. Some, something about the way that she, she keeps her face where it's always... It's like really no emotion to her. You know what I mean? It's... it's it. She's definitely... I feel like she acts the same way in this movie that she does in a lot of her movies. Well, okay, so, I mean, you have actors that get pigeonholed in certain type of roles yeah, where, you know, she's like, an, she's an angry person, you know, anti 
beauty, yeah. you know, prissy girl, yeah. that type of thing. That's that's what she always played. But I think she did it well. And, you know, I, I mean, I even put a note down here. You know, she's adorable and, and her acting is amazing in this, I thought. You know, there's Especially a lot of similarities between home and yeah. all that. There's a lot of uh, similarities between her and Ellen Page, I think. Or Elliot Page or whatever the hell. Are you just talking about right because of body type, attitude? All that, what? yeah. Yeah, all that put together pretty much. I, I feel like it's a very similar way of acting, even the way she does her face. You know what I mean? It's just the, her, the looks on her face is just no emotion. And, and I think with an actor, you got to at least have like no emotion or so much emotion that you could tell that it's down deep somewhere. With her, it just, I, I just feel lackluster. This is, well, this is one thing that we're completely separate on Which because yeah. I, I feel like we were watching two different people because I, I think that when I've seen her, I mean, like, I mean, you just instantly see, like, annoyance wash over her face. Yeah. You know, you see it when she's being charmed by Heath Ledger, how her face brightens up and it's just been yeah. so gloomy the whole day or the whole movie and everything until she brightens up with him. And then... Her, she she's she's got a bit of a, a cry face that's that's not ugly crying. <laughs> that's a, she's like one of these just very strained cry faces where I was just like you know I think the camera lingered on her a little bit too long. I'm sorry, but she has the I have to go pee this entire time face. <laughs> and I'm Is holding that you it saw right it? now. Yes, yes, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, and and you know, and just another thing too is I just don't think it was a good. Um, portrayal for Heath Ledger as a uh, as a bad boy you know because originally they wanted you know the way they they kind of were trying to portray him was kind of a bad boy but he just kind of seemed like a dork in a way you know the some of the you know playing with the fire things like that you know uh, you know too cool for school you know um, very antisocial you know what I mean so like he was a bad boy but I don't think he really was like he, he didn't really I think back then he like well, I remember when I first watched this, you know, thinking okay, it's it could be believable. I mean, but we have so many like you know, tough guy personas nowadays yeah. or whatever that it you know maybe it's not so much now or he's played other different characters where you're like you know it's it's not so much of a tough bad boy thing. Yeah. And I don't think they were really going for tough bad boy. Maybe just more mysterious. You know, didn't know if this guy was gonna like pull out a gun and shoot you type of thing. Yeah. He just didn't know. It was more about the the mystery of it, you know, the fact that he had an Australian accent and everything. Yeah. I don't know if they were going for somebody with a different accent. I know they uh, first in the movie, my first one of my first notes is like, what does an Australian dude doing in a school like this? They did explain it later that yeah. he grew up with his mom until he was 10 in Australia. Yeah. Um, so I, I suppose that kind of explains it away. Um, I thought it was a cool decision because, you know, in the old story, you have some guy that comes from a different country, mm -hmm. from Verona. Uh, which is why his last name is Verona. Um, and he comes in and, and comes into the story. So it, it's cool to get somebody that seems kind of exotic from a faraway land to come in with this, the rest of this cast. And it adds to his mystique and mysteriousness. But I totally get what you're saying as far as um, watching this. I was like, it's not really intimidating. No, you no, know? not at all. There's much more intimidating. But, but what they tried in high school. Well, yeah. And what they were trying to do is, is basically put in, you know, they had to hook up Julia Stiles' character. So who better to do it than somebody that's pretty much the male version of her? Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're, he they're, was a good-looking kind of yeah. pretty boy, too. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, even the director, first time he saw him, he was like, I've never wanted to have sex with a man, but I want to have sex with that man. Oh, God. 
<laughs> I mean, um, that's what the director said. <laughs> wow. So, but but you know, I think it, they were going for that pretty boy look, and, and he did a great. I think he did a good job. I think. I mean, to be honest with you, I think the best actor was jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this movie. Um, I thought that his. You know, even Cromwell, like he he did pretty good, I think, in this movie. But it was definitely, ju- you know, Joseph Gordon Levitt. I think, you know, any movie he's done, I've never seen him do a bad movie. I mean, can we talk about that? I mean, because literally, literally, I mean, even the TV show, you know, Thirty Rock, Third Rock, from or the Third Sun. Rock from the Sun. I mean, um, so my opinions kind of gone back and forth with Joseph Gordon Levitt. I've always seen him as a guy that overacts, like where he he he's conscious that he's acting, and it's that's what it seems like. It kind of goes over to me. And when he was younger, I was like, okay, well, it just seems like maybe he's just fresh, or he's like a TV actor. He started getting. This was his first major role after Third Rock from the Sun. You know, mm-hmm. him and Julia Stiles were the only ones that were kind of known. Yeah. Um, and, and everything, but I mean, it, it, he always seemed that way. But then when I saw him in things like Snowden. Um, even that new movie that came out where the entire movie is inside of a cockpit of a plane and it's getting hijacked and uh, he's locked in the plane and the hijackers are trying to get in there and everything. Mm. I don't know well, if I you've mean, seen it. It's, uh-uh. it's, I think it might be an Amazon, Amazon original or something like that, but it's a really, it's like 4,400, I don't know, it's the name of the flight, whatever the flight number yeah. was or whatever. But basically what happens is his captain immediately gets killed or whatever and he's the co-pilot and they're a terrorist but he, he's able to lock him out of the cockpit and he's kind of by himself but he's like you know they're like if you don't open the door we're gonna start killing people back here so he has to deal with that and land in the plane and everything but the entire movie does not leave the cockpit yeah it's crazy it's and it builds that tension so that movie in snowden I think he did really good. I don't like him when I see him in Christopher Nolan movies. Because really? I don't because... Dude, I thought he did an awesome job in Batman. I know, but like Christopher Nolan you know, casts him as kind yeah. of the cool guy, you know, the laid back guy or whatever it is. Um, but I think he does a little bit of the, the, the overacting in that too. You know, like the scene in The Dark Knight Returns that really bothered me was when he was like, you know... Um, he was telling Bruce about you know that the the money had run out for for the funding of the boys' homes and stuff. Yeah. He was like, "Time to start getting out, and paying more attention." You know the the way he 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 delivered the lines was like, "Ah, oh, it's a little bit of overacting and everything." So I don't know if he's because he wants to play the cool guy, um, the um, the confidence guy um, that he just overacts a little bit too much for me, but I have seen Inception, certain roles where I was very impressed by him. Well, um, that role that he played, uh, a younger Bruce Willis, uh, what was that movie called? <laughs> by the, the director you love so much. Yeah. Oh man. No, I know what you're talking about. It's, uh, God, I'm going to have brain fart right now. Uh, it's going to bug me. It's yeah. going to bug me. I'm going to look it up real quick. But uh, no, I th- I thought he played that Looper. R- Looper, that's Looper right. Looper is what it's called. But I thought he played that really well too. I mean, just play- trying to play basically another actor, you know, a very well known with his mannerisms type actor. They did really good with the makeup in that though too. Yeah, making making his you know his nose look like mm-hmm. Bruce Willis's nose, you know, with the flat bridge. And yeah. All that. But I mean, can can you imagine trying to? It's it's like trying to um, with with Bruce Willis is. Because of his mannerisms, it's very—it's like trying to impersonate, you know, uh, Robin Williams or something. You know what I mean? It's like nobody can do that, and I've yet to see anybody even get close to that. You know, the way he is. Yeah, if they ever want to do an autobiography movie about Robin Williams, good luck. I pity the the person that has good to take on that. Luck. That, but you know, it's it. 
I, I, I another thing I have to disagree with you on. You know, this uh, this his performance in this movie reminds me of his performance in Halloween H two O when he was that kid at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but the uh, at the very beginning before we meet Josh Hartnett and Jamie Lee Curtis and all that, um, Michael Myers goes and robs that that uh, nurse's house of paperwork and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so she gets home and finds her house open, and so she goes to her neighbors and it's like, I don't know if anybody's there. I called the police, but could you go and check my home? And remember, he had the hockey stick yeah. and everything yeah. like that. And I think they got like ice cleats put in their head afterward. Yeah. They did get killed afterwards, but he was. He's like, all right, if anybody wants to mess around, and he throws his stick yeah. on the ground and hits it on the ground, and he's like, we're going to have some problems, okay? You know, like he was, he's got, it's that TV actor. Yeah. He's coming off a third rock from the sun. He's still got that mentality. So but you got to understand one, that his age on that show, third rock, sure. right? He was playing a uh, like an eighty year old man, right? You know, like a general and well, stuff like yeah. That. He was like a warrior and everything, and he was stuck in a kid's body. Yeah, and and the fact that that he played that so well that it, you know, I mean, to make it believable and stuff for his age, that's that you got to give him props for that. I give him props, but it was still kind of like this this. You know, with TV acting, you're always going to have overacting, right? Yeah. With the movies, you go try to go more realistic. TV, you're playing a caricature of a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they did do it in Big Bang Theory, all these shows and everything. Third Rock from the Sun, same vein of as, as Big Bang Theory, where you're kind of, you have these outrageous characters and everything. And I felt like that's how he was in H2O and in this one, where it was kind of like, he did a good job especially for his age and everything and this this is one of those movies where like you really get those characters close to being teenagers like they yeah. are in the movies instead yeah. of having people in their late 20s you still have that but i think you have more of them closer to their age so i mean that's 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 one of the things that stands out it's like they have less experience to me in my eyes at least they have less experience and so i don't know it just kind of irked me a little bit well did you see that we had a uh, we also had a um a tv actor or a TV actress, um, a Nickelodeon one, no, no less, mm -hmm. uh, Alex Mack. Alex Mack, the, the uh, what is it called? The Curious World of Alex Mack. Yeah. Uh, that Larissa. How do you say this? Olenek or Olnick? Olenek? Larissa Olenek, maybe? But yeah, she was in, uh, what else was she in? I had a huge crush on her. Yeah. I can't remember what else she was in, but... Um, I don't think I, I haven't seen her in forever. I, I don't even know if she's doing anything else, is she? Uh, she hasn't been doing anything for a while. Uh, I knew she did some, like you know, I guess you, what you would call like more gr grown up roles or whatever, uh, trying to separate herself from that Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. um, I think she was in, let's see, uh, all that. She was in Boy Meets World. She was actually in Third Rock from the Sun. I didn't uh. know that. Um, she was in quite a few episodes. Looks like looks like she was in twenty one no, episodes. They, they were a couple in that show. Yeah, and I I wonder if that was well. Yeah, it was after he had done. Um, let's see. Yeah, it was after he would done ten things. They did ten things I had about you in ninety nine, and Third Rock from the Sun ran through two thousand. So I guess she was in the last season of that. Um, she came in there. Uh, I do remember she was in that 100 Girls. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, no. <laughs> Where he has a encounter with a girl in an elevator when the power goes out in the entire dorm. And it's just him and a girl, and he can't see who she is, but they hook up. Yeah. And then he spends the rest of the movie trying to figure out who she is and all that. Uh, so let's see. Uh, what does she do after that? 
Um, she was in Psych. Uh, that's right. She played like some kind of a goth person when they were trying to fight a werewolf, and they they thought it was a real werewolf, but it was not a real. Oh werewolf yeah, yeah. She had like a thing for for people like that. She she has a, she's done a lot, but nothing like crazy popular. Yeah, if that makes sense, you yeah. know she's been like in Mad Men and the new new Hawaii Five O and different things like that, but she didn't really blow up like like some of these others did after it. Yeah, I mean a lot of them did, you know. Um, you know, you know what's funny about this too is that remember how I was talking uh, last episode or so uh, about how all the sports in this, you know, where we're, we're coming from a generation of of you know before and after this time period. Where everybody's, you know, it's football centered. You know what I mean in the high school. Where again, this one's soccer centered again. You know, you get soccer. West Coast. Yeah, I think it's a West Coast thing. It's got to be because if you notice, a lot of these are ones you know are all centered around like soccer and (laughs) and and, archery. (laughs) Did you ever remember doing archery in school? No, I did that in like scouts, but I don't. I don't. I I, did. Do schools still do archery? I don't. No, actually, no. I did middle school in the ass. In middle school, we did archery. I really for like athletics it was we did archery it wasn't like it wasn't like a no, no schools uh, I went to yeah I, I went in San Antonio that's why I, I did uh, archery uh, for athletics that's weird yeah it wasn't like a sport like like a team effort it was just kind of like something they were teaching you how to use huh. a bow and arrow or something and I felt like the green arrow you know doing was it HP so. Zachary uh, yeah actually I think so HP Zachary yeah it I was a Knowlton Elementary yeah well I uh, those were the days. <laughs> I ended up living what five ten minutes away from there. Yeah, mm. as an adult, it's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just uh, you know talk about how this movie starts. Like okay. like bare naked ladies starts oh, I, automatically playing. Oh, I know, and I, I love bare naked ladies. Well, what's have. your favorite song of bare naked ladies? <sighs> the whole universe was in well, that's, a hot that's dance up there. state, and nearly fourteen billion years ago, expansion started. Wait, yeah, you see, you know, I, I put them in the category with uh, uh, what is the mouth all stars or what uh, Smash Mouth? Smash Mouth, you know. Yeah, they they do have a lot of. Uh, They're all just catchy, catchy music tunes that. That were probably they probably could you know those two bands you know Smash Mouth and interchangeable and yeah yeah they can they can really you know they probably could have made all their money just by doing uh, tunes for TV shows and and movies they're good at jingles like jingles yeah they're yeah. all about the jingles and every time I say jingles I always think of uh, Pierce and Community <laughs> you know where where, <laughs> yeah, where like, he basically pretty much robbed the way it goes <laughs> <laughs> they had to pay some money or something for that because. Yeah. I I don't know how they could have. I don't know if they played it to Tupac or what Tupac sampled it from. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and so we start out with this movie where where with it coming out, you know, you got the Smash Mouth, and you know, you start to get the introduction to Joseph Gordon Levitt's character. You you see what some of the crowds were doing. You know how they have all the different clicks out there. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) Hacky sack would have been better. These guys were in rollerblades with hockey sticks, playing you know street hockey in the parking lot, and I'm like, oh gosh, and I rolled my eyes, and I'm like, it's so '90s, but then I'm like. Oh, how much did I spend in rollerblades in the 90s? Well, this is I true. used to pride myself on being able to go backwards in rollerblades faster than people could go yeah, yeah. frontwards. 
So you, you find you find him and and he goes you know to the principal's office and you find out the principal's just some like hidden uh, under undercover uh, pervert. I, I want to talk about Alice and Janie because this was before she became. She's actually huge. won an uh, an Academy Award. You know that right? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah her was it an Academy or was it a, an Emmy? I'm pretty sure it was an Oscar. I want to say that because I read somewhere where it was it was either it was her and Heath Ledger are the only ones to actually win. An Academy Award. Well, I know she was on the West Wing, and that's where she really kind of blew up and yeah. became popular and everything. But I, I could have sworn it was an Emmy, and maybe it was for the West Wing. Either way, award-winning actress. And, yeah. you know, she's been in things like The Help, uh, Hairspray, The Hours, Juno. Uh, oh, man, she's she was always, so awesome in Juno. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Jo- Juno is like one of my favorites. Yeah. Because, you know, you got Rain Wilson in there. He goes, that ain't no Etch-A-Sketch, home skillet. <laughs> That's one doodle that can't be undid. <laughs> That's a, such <laughs> a classic like, line. One of the best lines from the movie. Yeah. That ain't no sketch, Etch-A-Sketch, Well, the, the way that her and him reacted in that movie yeah. were, was just so ideal. You know, like, they she were the... just like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, she she's she's a... You find out she, she writes, uh, you know... X-rated novels, sure, trash novels. Yeah, and 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 so obviously she's not really probably the greatest available uh, uh, educator. Well, she finds on the planet. She she spends most of the movie trying to figure out uh, different ways to talk about uh, uh, somebody's penis. Yeah, basically, you know, they get an engorged member and different things like that. You know, and then remember PG thirteen at least. But I'm just saying, you know, these kids come in there and they'll like offer different suggestions and everything, and she's like, "That's not." Bad. Bad. <laughs> Whenever like Julia Styles, like I'll let you get back to like Ricardo's engorged member. Or something it's like that. one of those goes, scenes. That's not bad. It's one of those scenes that like you, you don't really ask for, but it's it's kind of nice having there because it's, it's funny. funny. Yeah, and she's yeah. she's like so dirty, but then when she talks to him, she's like, okay, scoot. Skill, you know, just like some kind yeah. of normal elementary type yeah. counselor or whatever. But she's like really this dirty person. And of course, they have that cut scene at the end where she's like she's in the hallway with that that other dude, and he's like stripped down. Do you remember that? Yeah, and and see when when we're young like that, right? Even up to throughout high school, you know, for back when at least we went to school, you know, you always thought because your we teacher were a bit not be, as jaded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nowadays. But but you, but you think teachers are are like uh, nuns, you know, like when you're going when you're growing up and things like that, and then you you get older and you realize you're like okay. These people are like your neighbors. These people are like people you went to high school that you know that they're not a hundred percent moral type people. Yeah, you know? and it may be different nowadays for kids. Maybe they're uh, uh, you know they have less respect for teachers. But I think it's just because we had a certain level of respect. There was a mystique about teachers yeah. where you know we didn't realize they were, they were normal people. But it was yeah. just like one of these people you didn't ever want to make eye contact right. with outside of the classroom or yeah. be around, much less inside of the classroom or be around and everything. But then yeah, you know, you know, you re- recognize that they're real people. Nowadays, you know, kids are just like whatever and they're disrespectful. I know I can't stand so. that because but you know it, it you don't really get introduced to any other teachers at the school really, Mister Morgan. Well, okay. Besides Is him. he like the best part of this movie? <laughs> and faith, I do not love thee with mine eyes. For then thee a thousand errors note. But tis my heart that loves what they despise. Who in despite of you is pleased to dope. Now, I know Shakespeare's a dead white guy, but he knows his shit. So we can overlook that. I want you all to write your own version of this sonnet. Oh. Yes, miss, I have an opinion about everything. Do you want this in iambic pentameter? 
You're not gonna fight me on this? No, I think it's a really good assignment. <laughs> you just messing with me, aren't you? No, I'm really looking forward to writing it. Get out of my class. What? Out, get out! Thanks, Mr. Morgan. Shut up. Yeah, I'd have to say so. <laughs> the way he, like, he has no patience for Kat or Joey. Oh right. yes, Joey's oh, okay. too. I'm sorry, pop. I told I, I just totally spaced about him. He was like the be, one of the best actors in the whole entire movie. Yeah, I totally played by Daryl Mitchell. But he uh, he he the way he the way he comes. I mean, he has no patience for uh, for Joey's jackassery and and being who he is. He has no patience for Cat being the way she is, which is cool because <clears throat> this movie is a very feminist movie and i don't know i don't mean new age feminist yeah. i mean the classic feminist yeah you know I mean, look at the bar look at the was, bar that they go to listen to music at it's it's 99.9 percent .9 female in that bar you know right and my wife's like uh you know she said oh is this a lesbian bar i said no it's it's not like considered that because back then you know you get the grunge music you get a lot of grunge you got a lot of uh, you know it's a little a woman leftover yeah and then and you get a lot of this uh, indie type music in in the movie, right? Um, you know, of course, then you get a little bit of Big Papa in there too. But um, hypnotize, yeah, and and but I mean, it's a lot of like these these biggie these, biggie biggie. Can't you see? That's probably one of the most I can't like. You you got two iconic scenes in this movie, right? The two real iconic scenes, scenes that that nobody will ever forget. When you look at Julia Stiles for one of them. Okay, and then the other one you look at Heath Ledger. You know when when you see these two actors, you know rest in peace Heath Ledger, obviously. But you know him singing that song in the stadium. Yeah. You know that's what we're gonna get to. Right, right, and that's one of the most iconic scenes. The other one is Julia Stiles reading the poem. Yeah, that's where. Well, the movie no, comes no, from. I was I was actually thinking more so her dancing, her uh, dancing to, to hypnotize. Yeah, yeah. Well. Real quick before that, this this uh, the 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 Daryl Mitchell who plays um, the the teacher, uh, Mr. Morgan, uh, he's just so funny because the the fact that it's like kind of a it's got a feminist undertone or message to it in the movie, um, but you know he's like he's just telling her she's a pain in the ass the whole yeah. time. You yeah, know? I mean that's that's what that's the kind of stuff that I find uh, hilarious and like and the, some the, of the stuff he was saying is like like. Do you honestly believe that mo this movie could have been oh. uh, put out this uh, around this time a year or, or you know, in the so last much, five years? There's so much about this movie that is in tune with the way the world is yeah. now, but there's so much about it where you're like, getting yeah, away with saying is, half the things yeah, you're you saying. wouldn't be able to say some of this stuff. Uh, like <laughs> like the dad, what did he say? You know, my insurance does not cover PMS. Yeah, have you heard that in a movie nowadays? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there'd be a little of a back, uh, little bit of a backlash. But yeah. you remember the other movie? He another big movie he was. In? I, uh, my daughter was trying to figure out. She's like, I've seen him before, and I'm like, uh, the teacher. Yes, uh, uh, he was in Galaxy Quest. That's right with remember, Tim Allen and, and Sigourney he, Weaver. Because whenever he was on the show in the movie. He was a kid. He was the pilot as the kid. I remember, he was all grown yeah. up, and they were like, oh, you got to fly the ship. And he's like, I don't know how to fly the ship. And they're like, it's just based on the actions you did as you went on the show. Yeah. And he, so he was like, he was like really weirded out about, oh, I love Galaxy Quest. We should we do a to, podcast on that we one. We have to talk about that to. because that's like one of the greatest. Got Alan Rickman ever. in it. I mean, come on, Tim Allen, Scorning Weaver. It's one of the greatest. It's one of those movies that takes the piss out of something. Yeah. And, it, and, and I love those movies, and but, that's probably one of the greatest. With this movie did you feel like the teacher right he Which was kind of um mr morgan yeah he was kind of like shakespeare well he you rapped know, he, yeah he, the, 
they was, talked about Shakespeare, didn't? Or well, it was just kind of creative writing or something. But like I that. felt I felt like he was Shakespeare in this movie, kind of telling you know, not not necessarily telling the story, but kind of keeping everybody organized in the story in a way. So kind of like what we were talking about, and she's all that with Usher, kind of talking yeah. about what's going on. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. My, my question was, you know, they're they're reading about Shakespeare, and obviously William and uh, oh, what was it, Mandela. Mm-hmm. That was a weird name for for uh, Julia Stiles' friend, uh, Mandela. Yeah. Um, but her and William, they both like Shakespeare. So I was thinking of this movie, I was like, does Shakespeare exist in this world? And then they started talking about, oh, I love Shakespeare. I'm like, okay. So Shakespeare exists in this world. These two are obsessed with Shakespeare, um, and you know other kids may know about it too. But if they're that obsessed, they've obviously heard of the Taming of the Shrew. Does it ever occur to them that the names and situations of what's going on in their high school at the current time? I mean, are the name very of the high similar? school alone. I mean, like that. I, I I think if you have a movie like this that's some like a modern retelling, I think you have to. Because, and maybe this is just because this is how my brain works, and maybe I'm very much in the minority here, but all I think of is how do these people not know that, they're, that their circumstances right now are a Shakespeare story or, or the story that they're recreating? Well, like Shakespeare shouldn't exist in this world yeah. if this is the Shakespeare story. But, but how they probably explain it is that, you know, like everybody, you know... <sighs> It, this drives me up the wall. This r- really drives me up the wall that people, in a way, are either so uneducated that they look up to certain people and look up to certain events that, you know, when when a couple – oh, we're like Romeo and Juliet, so what? You're going to kill yourself in the end because one's too stupid to realize that the other one's not dead. So, you know – It was it, those it, times, man. Well, it's just they like Joker and Harley Quinn. the apothecary. Well, look at Joker and Harley Quinn. People look up at that and they're like, oh, I want my relationship to be like that. And it's okay, like, they're both psychopathic people that and, kill people. And besides that, it's so toxic to each other, terrible yes. to each other. And he's very abusive to her. Right, right. Or, but I want a, I want a relationship like that. Well, and, and that's, that's what drives me up the wall is that people are, it's not so much being so uneducated. It's like not understanding what a relationship is. You know what I mean? Well, that's so, the thing. Yeah, you're, 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 not trying to take, you're not trying to take a relationship naturally. You're trying to inject Hollywood and things that you've seen in TV shows and things that you've read in books. You're trying to inject that into a relationship and make your your relationship like a fairy tale. And relationships aren't like that. There's a lot of realness to them. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, nothingness sometimes. Sometimes there's just yeah. nothingness. And, 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 you know, so it's just one of these things like, you know, not everything has to be so dramatic. There doesn't yeah. have to be declarations of love and all this every few sec, every few minutes or whatever it is. Well, it's like, it's like in Hollywood that, you know, that's what Hollywood's known for. They glorify violence, right? Uh-huh. Um, they glorify violence. They, you know, they say that this relationship, this toxic relationship, is something is a goal to achieve. You know, they 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 put things in people's heads like, uh, you know, oh, if you just do this or do that, you know, you'll you'll gain tons of money. They glorify violence. They glorify gang violence. They glorify, you know, things like that in movies. Yeah, and people eat them up, including us. You know, we, we eat that up, you know, but I think it's just a really hard nowadays for people to separate, you know, real life from Hollywood. Have you ever taken any of these movies that we watched in high school and, like, had a romantic sense about it, about... 
oh, I wish I could do these grand gestures or, or thought about doing these grand gestures to woo Well, my someone. favorite movie, I mean, come on, say anything. I mean, he holds a boombox up. Right, but you I know, mean, have you ever wanted to do anything like that in relationship and then just go, okay, well, that's a movie thing, that's dumb? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I can't say I haven't gotten ideas, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, from different things, but, but it's... I think I, I'm, I'm able to separate the two. Have you, you know ever I mean? heard of de- deals or bets being made like we've seen in She's All That and in this movie in high school? Did you ever see anything like that? Mm, no, because the reason I think that is is because these movies exaggerate a lot of effects and, right. and including bets like that. I mean, I'm sure there there's stuff like that out there. But that just, you know, would make you a terrible person. I wonder if stuff like that happened after these movies. Like, oh, I'm like, sure. Like then teens got ideas like, oh, yeah, we should do a bet. And you know, just like that movie or whatever. Yeah. Well, and, and you also look at like, I mean, look at like uh, Manson, right? You know, he, he glorified certain things and people followed him, you know, doing doing, you know, his bidding in a sense like that because, you know, he made it sound great, you know. And, you know, you see, I mean, that's the dr- oh, most okay. drastic version. I was like, of are we that. talking about Charles or Marilyn? Uh, Charles. 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 Right, yeah, because I was but, like, Marilyn, I was like, ah, he was just trying to yeah, shock. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's it's just little things. I mean, it, it does happen, but I think yeah. it's just. Uh, that's people, what happened to Sharon Tate. Uh-huh. And, that, and I think that's what people can't separate that, you know, and that's scary to think that people can't separate, you know, the violence part of it or even the, these romantic notions that, you know, if you do this or act this certain way that, you know, <coughs> oh, you know, this girl will come you know begging to be in a relationship with you you know that kind of thing like that which that never ever 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 happens i mean it's it's totally different and 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 you know when you're younger it's very influential to you i Mm -hmm. think you know and and you know stuff like this when i was watching this age you know i it it made you feel good you know that's why we're doing these podcasts over these two these type of movies because you know it makes you feel a certain way you know, and that that's that's good and all, but you got to learn how to separate that. You know, you really got to do yeah. separate that from the real life, and, and you know that's that's what makes Hollywood up. You know, it gives people a, a, a new life, you know, a, a new way to to engross yourself into somebody else's life to mimic it in some sort of fashion, and that's when it gets scary. I think. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so so you know, we open up and we 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 see this new guy Cameron played by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, he basically sees Bianca, falls in love with her instantly. Um, he's being shown around by this guy named Michael, um, played by David Kremaltz. Um, and you know, just being shown around the school. Uh, these are the different groups. These are the cliques. Here's who you stay away from. Here's who's cool. All this kind of stuff. He sees Bianca, falls in love with her. He's like, well, you know, everybody else is. So just stay away from that because you know there's no hope there. And you know, of course, he breaks out the Shakespeare. You know, like I more, I, I pine, I yearn, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it, it, it's kind of weird or whatever. But anyways, he finds out that she can't date. Um, uh, and so he's like, okay, well, maybe I can tutor. He doesn't know French, but he's like, oh, I'll pretend to know French so I can tutor. Well, through that, he finds out that she can date, uh, but only if her sister dates. And her dad's implemented that rule because he knows that Kat hates everybody. <laughs> and so she will never date anybody. So therefore, his youngest daughter, Bianca, won't be able to date either. So Cameron gets an idea <clears throat> and he gets this guy, Joey, who's like the popular guy, the model, whatever. And he also wants to date Bianca, too. So he's like, uh, they're like, well, let's get him to pay somebody to date Kat so then I could date Bianca and everything. You know, thinking that maybe she would want Cameron more than Joey, 
or whatever. So, anyways, uh, they 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 find you know Joey, and they 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 finally find. I don't know how how do they land on Patrick. Um, well, because they guy. see him in the... Um, They're just looking for other scary yeah, people, right? Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees him in the cafeteria and sees, you know, and sees him around the hallways. And oh, that's right. He's like, what about him? He goes, don't yeah. look at him. Don't look at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cafeteria. And then, you know, they realize, you know, he's basically the male version of her, you know, and... and it, She's it, unlikable. He's unlikable. Yeah. All that. So, yeah, they pay him. They They finally, you know, and they're like, uh, I'll pay you 20 bucks. And he's like, oh, that's not bad, but... He goes, okay, 30. <laughs> you know, it's like, and of course it's the 90s or whatever, and there's kids back in high school, but you think about that nowadays, and you're like, 20 bucks, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is that it? <laughs> 30 bucks yeah. even? And I think at the end, they land at 75. Yeah. yeah. And then I think later on, he gets like 300 for the prom or something yeah. like that. But, so I mean, that, those are more more likely. But I mean, you got this guy, I guess he needs some money or whatever, so that's why he decides to do it. But he's got, also got this this reputation that's all BS, and he just lets it fly because he doesn't like talking to people anyway. So yeah. he just lets the scary reputation happen. But he's really a nice guy and everything. So, uh, so anyways, he starts taking Cat out, and she starts falling for him. And then Cameron wants to get with uh, Bianca, but Bianca wants to be with Joey. And then she realizes Joey's a piece of, a piece of garbage, so now she wants to be with Cameron, but Cameron doesn't think she wants to be. And then her uh, her best friend, Kat's best friend, um, what's her name? She wants to be with William. It's yeah. it's a mess. It's yeah. it's like this whole huge convoluted thing. But but it's the way it's written and the way it's paced out. It's 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 very easy to follow right 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 but there's just a lot to it and it's a, it's a very unique story right yeah. but i think the culmination of it at the end was a little weird well i think it got rushed at the end it just kind of felt like it was there should have been a lot more consequences yeah. right yeah. but but it was very rushed he was like hey who do you think you are and then she gets punched he gets punched out by bianca which is cool and everything but i was like that's it yeah. because there wasn't really much consequence for cameron no. Right? Well, I was all he wanted too, yeah. was Bianca. And about halfway through the movie, she realized she didn't want Joey. She wanted to be with yeah. Cameron. And so then they were kind of together. There there really wasn't anything to worry about except for Joey, I guess. But yeah. he wasn't intimidating. Yeah. So the, the conflict was with Heath Ledger and his secret yeah. that he had started taking Julia Stiles out for. And that's why I say he's the main character because he's the one with the conflict. Whereas Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he kind of puts together this plan, but he doesn't really have a huge conflict, and it's, it's or it's breezed by real quickly whenever she punches out the, the well, Joey gotta, guy. You also got to consider he had the conflict in the sense of you know it was kind of up and down for him, you know, especially right before he drops her off when he gives her a ride home from the party. You know, he's he's all but given up at that. But point. we know that Joey's a d bag, and we know that she's eventually not going to go for him because she's not as shallow as he is. So we know it's. But they do kind of make her look shallow at the beginning, though. Yeah, but we 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 thought there was every chance and we got to know her throughout though and got to know her better but we thought there was every chance that julia styles and 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 heath ledger would kind of go their own way do their own thing um so anyways uh yeah we got two alums from the christopher nolan batman movies we got heath ledger who played the joker and we got um joseph gordon levitt who played for all intents and purposes robin yeah his name wasn't Dick Grayson and everything, but he his I guess his real name was Robin, and so that was going to be a superhero name. That's not much of a secret identity. That's weird. I don't know why they throw that in there? I think you know he was like I guess him and him and uh, 
uh, Christian Bale talked about it, and Christian Bale's like, if you try to bring Robin in this, I'm done. You know, he didn't want Robin to be in it and everything because it would just be too cheesy. But I think it was kind of like a little nod to the fans, like, okay, I need a character here. Why don't we just go ahead and make him Robin at the end? Yeah, and re- not really Robin, but you could tell that's who's going to be like the new Batman. The only thing with those Batman movies, I just hated the way that they ended Batman's story like that, the way they did. I just wasn't a big fan of that. I liked it because he did he did the bulk of his work in, in the middle movie. Right, right. You know? But he, I, I just still that think... That was the bulk of taking down uh, crime and corruption in Gotham. Yeah, but if anybody knows anything about Batman, there's always going to be corruption in Gotham. Gotham, uh, it's always stated in Batman comics all the time that pretty much Batman is just... He's kind of like a, uh, you know, crime. A bunch of crime happens. He cleans up a little bit of it. More crime happens. He cleans up a little bit of it. But I mean, it's just Gotham is pretty much lost. I felt know? that, yeah, and that's how it is in all other iterations. I thought in this one though, they did a pretty good job of showing that he did get rid of organized crime. As I said in the third movie, they did get rid of organized crime. And the only thing that was left was a little cleaning up here and there. You know, even Joseph Gordon-Levitt says in the movies, like, when you clean up the streets, you clean them up good. You know, there's not much for us to do. Now, all hell breaks loose halfway through the movie. (laughs) The city almost gets nuked. But, you know, I think there was enough in there that says, okay, he rooted out the main problem. He had to have one last little adventure. But basically, the main issue was all complete in part two. And he was a bad guy and everything like that. I don't know. Uh, that's 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 a unique vision from Christopher Nolan, who I'm still trying to wrap my head around um, the new movie, <laughs> Tenant, the Tenant movie. I, I'm still trying to. I, I get it, I think, but then there are some things in there. I was like, well, that if if I'm getting this right in the way that the filmmakers have said we're supposed to get it, this doesn't make sense or that doesn't make sense. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime, but. I know when they were casting this movie, the studios, the only note that they gave the director, because it, it was his first film, is another, just like Can't Hardly Wait, first film, um, was you should look at those people on Dawson, Dawson's Creek. They're real popular right now. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically wanted him to hire Katie Holmes and, uh, I don't know, Jane Vanderbeek or, or um, Joshua Jackson. So, and, oh, gosh, I, I don't know if I would have been able to handle that. Well, I like, I mean... Katie Holmes is all right. She did, like, Disturbing Behavior and, you know, a couple different movies like that, but... Well, one of my favorite TV shows is is, uh, Fringe, anyway, so I I like... The Fringe is good. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Vanderbeek, I like, I I think the only thing I've liked from James Vanderbeek... Farsi Blues. Oh, yeah, you know, there is that, but also, and maybe that's why they're like, oh, you need one of those Dawson's Creek people, and Varsity Blues did it, and didn't do as well as 10 things i hate about you so maybe the filmmakers didn't made a good decision but no uh it was a few years ago i'd say maybe like seven or eight years ago they did a um like a uh which is crazy because you know varsity blues is one of my favorite all-time movies i love that movie yeah it's a good movie i love it um but do you remember a few years ago when they did uh the power rangers reboot deal where it was james vanderbeek he was a bad guy and he was talking to uh, somebody and like like they had killed off Jason, um, they had killed off certain Power Rangers Zach and everything. But it was like this gritty, and it's basically what brought oh, Power yes, Rangers yes, back. Yes, 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 yes. And um, Battlestar Galactica, Bo Katan, yeah. 
what's her name? Katie Sackhoff. Yeah. She played the Pink Ranger in there or something like yes. that. Either that or Rita or something. I wanted them to make that movie so bad. Yeah. And it was like this, like, I think it was like a 10 minute short yeah. or whatever, but it had to do with the Power Rangers and how gritty it was. And remember, like, Zach. He was the Black Ranger, but he like got into drugs and all kinds of stuff, yeah. and he, he ended up getting shot in the head or something. It was like this real gritty thing, and then after that is when they re they came back with Power Rangers because I think yeah. that may help make it popular again. Yeah, but that's something I always remember with James Vanderbeek because like that he was always so like goody two shoes, but apparently he's you know pretty uh, you know. Separate from that character <laughs> in real life or whatever, it's kind but of into Dawson's. can you imagine this with Dawson's Creek uh, uh, cast? In I mean, it? I guess I could. I mean, to be honest with you, I really could. Just I don't know who Katie Holmes would yeah, play. Uh, who knows? Uh, um, nowadays, or I guess any day, any time in school, would she not get kicked out of school for flashing a teacher? Uh, yeah, that would be a whole big ordeal. I would think point. that would be like expelled. Because then you're talking about yeah. like sexual harassment with a yeah. minor and all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, uh, no, not that. Or, know, or need what, to be real realistic. Or, or her crashing her car, backing her car into that. I mean, yeah. It, but oh, she had PMS. The well, movie explained it. Whoops! My insurance does not cover PMS. You know, I mean, more than likely that that father would be like, okay, you need to go see some rehab or you, or not rehab, but you need to go see a counselor or something. You know, you got anger problems. You know, because, yeah. One last thing I want to talk about is Andrew Keegan. Okay, he played Joey. Yeah. Have you heard about what he's doing nowadays? Uh, so, apparently, he's got a little cult going on. What? Out in California. Wow. It's called, like, Full Circle or something like that. New Day. For, I think it's Full Circle. But it's just, it's kind of like a new agey, Scientology, Scientology. type of thing. I mean, I think they almost went bankrupt a few years ago, but then they were able to stay afloat. I don't know if it's still going on, but I know for a good while, he would, he had started this, uh, he called it a religion, he called it a uh, you know certain way of life or whatever. Others people called it a cult, and that's basically what it was. So, um, But yeah, listeners, if, if you want to look into what good old Joey from 10 Things I Hate About You, you know, look up Andrew Keegan. Um, and look up full circle and uh, see what that's about. Um, yeah. I won't pass judgment on it. Whatever. This, I'm just passing on what I have heard and read about it. Um, but it's a it's an interesting thing or something like that. I, I hope it's not like one of these Nexium things with Allison Mack, oh, you gosh. know, from Smallville, and they have like these sex slaves and all this kind of stuff that's <laughs> going on. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, I yeah. still remember when you sent me that news article, and I was like, what? Yeah, I was like, "What, Chloe and, uh, from Small? What what is going on it here?" Make any sense. Hey, it's it's weird, but uh, what do they call her Master yeah, Mac you, or the, something like that. Yeah, the things you don't know when you're watching shows when you're younger. But I mean, we've heard about stuff like this from um, what was it? Uh, somebody from was it Wu Tang? I read a, a report, and yeah, it might have been somebody from Wu Tang. I can't remember who it was, but I, I think he said Ghostface was there. But they they go. He said they, went, they got invited to some party in Hollywood, and he's like, and it's a lot of famous. He goes, I'm not going to name any names, but a lot of famous rappers and a lot of famous actors, and everybody was getting it on. That's weird. And it was just like this crazy. He goes, you know, you just walk by these different rooms, and all thing, kind of things are crazy. Things are going on. <laughs> 
He goes, I was asked about it when I thought about it. He goes, I can tell you that I was never invited back, and I still haven't been invited back to this day. He goes, but the, the type of stuff that people don't know about that goes on with these, you know, elite Hollywood elites and whatever, you know, it, yeah. w- it would shock. Oh, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, look into that uh, Andrew Andrew Keegan thing and, uh, and see what you think. Um, what was your favorite part of the movie? Oh. Uh, I'd have to say uh, her dancing to Biggie. I, I love that part. That's that's an iconic. Scene. She was a trained dancer yeah, too before yeah. this movie, and of course, this movie was before Save the Last Dance. Yeah. Um, but she was a trained dancer, and that's why she did so good with uh, Save the Last Dance. In fact, in Save the Last Dance, um, when Sean Patrick Thomas, who played Jock Number Two and Can't Hardly Wait, <laughs> um, when he was the main, uh, the lead, uh, the male lead from the the from Save the Last Dance, um, he'd be like, "Hey, let's go out." You know, they wanted to go out and party at night and everything. And uh, and Julia Stiles uh, was like, oh, no, because she had to do ballerina training in the morning and hip-hop dancing in the afternoon. That was when she would train and, and everything. And, she, you know, she did the smart thing. There she goes, oh, it's so boring, but, you know, probably responsible, too, because she had to do that. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to go out if I had to do stuff like that. Yeah. But, but, yeah, she was very committed to that. But um, it was so intense. She says that was the hardest thing that she's ever done to this day, Save the Last Dance, because of all the dance training. And after that movie, she never did prefer, uh, she never did dancing again. Uh, but she did replace it with yoga. Okay. So, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Whatever. So, so you, did you like the 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 fact that she danced good did you like the fact that it was biggie or did you like the fact that it was her character kind of reverting back to how she used to be uh, i kind of like the fact that they just threw some biggie in there because you know you hear <laughs> you just you, like the rapper well well you, you hear a lot of the other kind of music and a lot of it's just kind of like oh, i remember that time oh, i remember that time but then then they throw in some biggie and you're like okay okay you know it kind of gets you moving a little bit you know and it, it is biggie after all and and, uh, and she's I think awesome like at it. dancing. Yeah, yeah. So what I liked about that scene was that um, it took it t- takes you back to how the character used to be. You know, later on in the movie, she explains to her sister, "I used to be," or her sister explains to Cameron, "She used to be popular, but I don't know something happened, and she just got sick of it." And what she explains is that she used to date that Joey guy, and she used to be in with the in crowd, and then they had sex, and then she didn't want to do it anymore, and so he dumped her, and she realized that it was all BS and didn't want any part of it, and it didn't want any part of that life and that high school life and those people. Well, she finally gets dragged to this party, you know, so her sister doesn't get left out or whatever. Uh, She's guilted into going to this party, and... She starts drinking, and this is exactly why she doesn't go to this party. And I like it because it shows exactly why she doesn't go to this party. Because she reverted back to that old part of her, you know. she First of all, she doesn't want Patrick helping it or her at all. And then she jumps up on the table and does the dancing thing, like... You know, why else would you do that except, you know, one, you like to dance. But, I mean, you're doing it in front of everybody. You're going to get yeah. some popularity off oh, of yeah. that. I'm sure that's what she did when she was younger. So, I mean, I liked it. It showed that it, she let herself down, her guard down a little bit, and then she reverted back to the person she didn't like being anymore yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was cool. But, yeah, I did like that because, she, man, she's a really, really good dancer. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Um, so what was my, yours? my favorite part, um, and and I I, I kind of left this till the end <laughs> because I got to talk about David Crummels. Um and I know that you say it's silly. I used to be a huge fan of ER, 
And in ER, um, David Krummeltz had a few episode run where he played a psych patient, and uh, he's kind of a schizophrenic. He's psycho. Uh, yeah, and so he was being worked on by Carter and Lucy, and they were two characters in ER. And Lucy was my favorite because, one, I had a huge crush on her, and she was just so adorable and, and you know, a good character and everything. And this guy came in there, and, uh, you know, he had a few episode run. They thought he was doing all right, and he ended up stabbing Lucy and Carter in the hospital in a dark room and nobody found him till like uh, hours later when they had like bled out on the floor they just barely saved Carter's life but Lucy spoiler alert ended up dying and I was so like like into this show because of her and yeah. you know you know and and the, the when he killed her so from then on every time I see this guy it irks me whether it's in the Santa Claus whether it's in this movie in numbers whatever I've seen him in it just like irks me because this guy killed my favorite character and now like that's all I see whenever I see him but I mean doesn't that say that he's a good actor then yeah yeah I'm sure it is because he that's did, like me and Carrie Ells he was very creepy in that role but it just carried on I think it was more about my attachment to the Lucy character than David Crummels but he did a very good job in that role and playing that cycle and of course he did this that role after this but you know I saw things out of order and so then I just hated everything that he was in, you know, whenever I saw him pop up. Now, I will watch Numbers. Yeah. I think he does a very good job of being separate from the characters he kind of usually plays, where they're like smartasses, kind of know-it-alls and everything, yeah. whereas this guy is like lacks confidence, but he's a real good guy and everything, and he's yeah. not kind of trying to schmooze anybody. I, I, I hate to say it, but, I, you know... I think he's a phenomenal actor. I mean, the the stuff that he does, I mean, he plays a different role. Yeah, I mean, I know this sounds, it's it's ironic or stupid the way I'm saying it, but he plays a different role in every role he plays. Yeah, I think he does that really, really good. That plays that character. And he, I think he plays different variations of that, except for in Numbers, which yeah. I thought he, he did a really good job in that show, yeah. which I still haven't watched at the end. Yeah, I haven't either. I, it's one of those shows. Like, I got so many shows going on right now, but uh, it's one of those shows that I just, it, it, I, I want to finish, but then you know, I, I there's certain parts and shows that stop me from watching it every time. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll watch a show with the wife or whatever, and you know, it just seems like I'll, I've seen, I've watched the show a couple of times, but I only get to a certain part of it, and then then something turns, you know, makes me want to. That's how it was with the Flash. I couldn't get past season two. Um, I think season one was so amazing that the change that they made in season two was a little harder. Um, same thing with, um, oh, what was that other show? Uh, Community. Whenever, like, Chevy Chase and Donald Glover laughed and everything. And, you know, it started to really change up. I'll give you Because that. they were I'll losing some one. people. It's hard to get it past a certain point in that show as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I get that. Um, but I only mentioned that because my favorite part in the movie is just a real quick thing. But it's, uh, you know, my my favorite part about these, these movies is probably, um, you know, the dynamic between Kat and um, uh, Patrick. But my favorite part of the movie is whenever they're at the dance and, like, they're slowly, he's slowly dancing towards Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And he goes, the shitteth 
has hit us. The fan. The fan. Hiss. <laughs> and he's like pointing over there. I don't know why, but that part makes me laugh out loud every single time I watch it. And I think of you laughing at that too. And it makes me oh, laugh yeah. even harder. Yeah. Because oh, I'm I like, that's that something that you would laugh at too. <laughs> the shittest has hit us. The like, fan. There's nothing yes. more like entertaining for me than stupid humor. Because it's stupid, but I mean, it's also doing like Shakespeare yeah. stuff, like you know that old King yeah. James way of talking. You yeah. know where it would just be like, "Thouest if you know, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But um, did you have something you wanted to? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to try to uh, start something differently here at the end of each of our podcasts. We kind of want to let people know what we're we're watching right now. I mean, we watch these movies. A lot of times, like we've ninety percent of the movies that we have done podcasts over about ninety nine point nine 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 percent, we've seen multiple times, right? And so, you know, we watch these movies for the podcast. You know, a lot of times we'll watch them like the day before or the day of, just uh, so it's fresh in our mind and stuff like that. But we also watch a lot of other TV shows and movies, you know, included in there. So, uh, I just kind of want to add this in there. Uh, you know, what are you watching right now? Um, so I'm going over a couple old shows. Uh, I just finished off Community again. Well, I, that, I just finished off Community for the first time going all the way through. Okay. Um, uh, you know, it, it was good. And then I also finished The Big Bang Theory going all the way through. Yeah. And it had a pretty good ending and all that kind of stuff. Um, besides that, like right now I'm going trying to go through The Flash because I've only ever, I've I think I've told you, I've watched The Flash like three or four times and I only make it to like, the first couple episodes of season two um last year sometime i made it to i think the end of season two into season three mm-hmm. i'm trying to go through it all again um there's just you know they will world build so fast and everything mm-hmm. and i think they're try- they were trying to make a huge universe you know between arrow and flash and legends of tomorrow and everything like that um i think when it whenever you start building it up that much it gets to the point where it gets aggravating because they, they bring in a lot of storylines where I'm like, wait, where did that come from? Yeah. But it, I'm like, okay, it was obviously in an Arrow episode that I didn't watch because yeah. you're supposed to watch these all together. Yeah, yeah. And so it almost makes it to where, you know, the CW made these shows after the first season of Flash and the first two seasons of Arrow. Past that, you have to watch all the shows to be able to understand yeah. what's going on. Yeah, yeah. For the most part. Well, I mean, you know, for the most part, you can kind of watch it by itself, but that got aggravating. I will tell you something that I watched recently, and I'd say in the last couple months, and I rewatched it again recently. Um, it's called Sticks and Stones, and it was on the BBC. It's a it's a BBC show. It's a British-produced, uh, acted, directed show. Yeah. Um, and it's about workplace bullying. Okay. So it has this one character... And uh, it was actually mom that showed it that showed it to me. Um, and uh, it had this one character who basically he gets in there and he's experiencing this workplace bullying. But it's like these very subtle, sly instances to where when he brings it up or goes to a boss and they try to talk to that person about it and the person goes, no, no, this is what I was doing. It's it's in a way where they it could have been explained away very easily and very um, – um, level-headedly mm-hmm. but this guy knows that they're messing with him okay. and so he starts to unravel a little bit yeah. he starts to you know every single thing that they're saying he's like you know i know what you're trying to do with this but whenever he goes to the boss or whenever he tries to talk about it they always have an answer for something yeah and it's like it doesn't sound interesting but 
when you're watching it, it's like these little subtle. I love BBC shows because I mean they put a lot of thought into their stories and characters, but you know it's just these little subtle things that build up and build up and build up. And the whole show, and I, it's it's good like six episodes or something like this. It's kind of like a mini series, but you know it builds up and it builds up and it builds up, and you're just like this guy, and it gets to the point where. Even the bosses think that he's crazy now. They're they're like giving him the option, like, look, you can quit if you want, and if you don't quit, then you know chances are you're going to be fired because you've made all these accusations and there's no proof of it. All this kind of stuff, and and you're with this guy because you know obviously that these people are are, are bullying him too and are doing these little things. But it's an adult way of bullying where it's very smart, it's very subtle, it's very nuanced. And it's just like this psychological thing where you're you're just like, you know, you're gripping yourself because you're so angry about what's going on and that nobody believes him and everything. And the tension keeps building and building. And finally, it releases at the end. Yeah. Kind of like um, uh, Uncut Gems. I mean, not the way that Uncut Gems released its tension at the end, um, which was shocking. What about but that Michael Douglas movie? Uh, where the he game? Has a suitcase. What, like, Falling but, down? Yeah. That's like one of his most famous movies. Yeah, falling down where he it's just not loses that it. Yeah, but I mean that was just like he had a problem with his work, and uh, this is he's having problems with his work, but he can't get anybody to believe him. Yeah. And it's like it's all because you know this person wants a promotion, that person wants a promotion, but they end up making him look crazy. They make him look like the nut job when it's really these people, these these horrible, horrible people, but they're so sweet with their smiles in front of the boss, and the boss is really trying to figure out what's going on, but everything he is getting and hearing and finding out all points to this guy being the problem when he's not. So it's, it's one of these very well developed very well written and very well produced type of shows i really really definitely suggest you watch it suggest our listeners watching it if you have bbc i'm sure you can find it on amazon or something but uh yeah it's called sticks and stones uh it's you know in in the uk it's itv and everything but give that a watch it's an amazing show all right that sounds good that sounds good what are you watching well right now i'm watching um Last Man Standing. I love that show, man. That's such good. I, I want to watch watching it from the beginning. And uh, Dad's been watching that, I and I told him to watch Home Improvement too. But he's like, "That's a good idea." Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> and I'm like, I was he's the same guy. That too. He just has uh, three sons instead of three daughters. Well, but in real life, I, yeah. Tim or uh, Tim Allen has daughters. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and it's funny because it's between you know Tim Allen's character and then the middle daughter. And kind of her husband too, but the these Wait, three characters. The middle are, daughter's husband is. Yeah. I thought it was the older daughters who had the baby, her husband. Because the middle daughter is the yeah the, the ditzy teen. But but what I'm saying is those three characters are the king of the show. I mean, it, those three characters. I mean, just the the way they they deliver their lines is just phenomenal. And they're extremely believable, but it's it's just it can be relatable to to certain uh, certain groups of people. Meaning, you know, um, it's a very conservative show, but it's it's actually written by a bunch of liberal writers, which is kind of uh, funny. The, well, the, way, the, the way that they came together. It? Well, it got canceled, and then it got moved to Fox. Yeah, Fox, Fox bought it after the, like, yeah, the seventh season. But it was what ABC. I think so. I want to say before or, that. 
I don't think like it was that. NBC. I think it was ABC. But it's, I mean, it's a phenomenal show, and then and uh, it's it's just really good because it's just it, it brings a lot of that conservative, you know, liberals coming out with conservative jokes, which is is the way it works. It's, it's brilliant, you know. And then I'm watching that. I'm also it has wa- Caitlyn Deaver in it, uh-huh. or, uh, and she's in Justified. She's actually a huge part of Justified, uh-huh. uh, and in all the episodes past season. And she comes up with some two, quips too, you know. And she's hilarious because she she's the no nonsense daughter, yes. the youngest that that yeah. has no patience for mm-hmm. stupidity and everything. But my favorite is the one that plays Mandy, Molly Ephraim. Yes, that's and what I'm saying. She's the middle one. Hilarious. And you know what is it? The pie shop or whatever the song that they do <laughs> yeah. in the first season or whatever. But she is hilarious. Like, like you know, I was really talking is. to dad about this, like, you know, and he's she's one of his favorites yeah. too, because you know she's just like comic gold. She was actually she in um, part two of Paranormal Activity. She played the daughter. Yeah. She's actually a lot older than like her character. You know, yeah. I mean, her character's uh, uh, supposed to be like seventeen, sixteen, something like that. But I mean, she's like in her mid twenties uh, in this show or something. You know, yeah. And it has Tim Allen, Hector Elizondo, and Nancy Travis, obviously from yeah. So I Married an Axe Murderer. And then, and then they bring in uh, a lot of characters. They bring in the uh, wife from Tim, uh, from Tool, <laughs> Zachary from, Taylor Thomas, uh, or uh, no, Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Thomas. Taylor yeah, Thomas, and then the, the, when they bring in the wife uh, from. Um, Home Improvement. Uh-huh. She literally talks about her husband dying, and then they introduce the son, which Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays her son, and, really? and plays a different character in the show, like a regular reoccurring character in the show. Not so much in the later seasons, but uh, so it's it's like obvious. Like let's dip into Home Improvement her, territory. Her her, uh, her husband's name is like Tom. Oh, you know, so so it's, is the older son in? Does he ever no, come? No, no, it's just them two. It's just because okay. I know Jonathan. the older son. He didn't do as well in Hollywood. You know, John Taylor Thomas just kind of quit yeah. to do school or whatever. Good he was him. in Smallville. Yeah, but I mean, like the older brother, he was in a few other shows. Like he was in Smallville yeah. and, and stuff. The younger brother's like nowhere. No, to I mean he like he went and bought a van and lives in a van with his wife and they live like out in the yeah. wilderness and stuff and but but it's funny because uh you know even even she says uh the well uh, home improvement wife says uh she says yeah my husband thought thought himself a tool man <laughs> you know what i mean jill taylor yeah yeah so she i mean it's it's funny because the name's different but literally she said hey this is my son and it's jonathan taylor thomas but it's not the same character. It's not Randy. Yeah, no. His, his name was Randy. His name's Randy in the show. Oh, is it? Yes, it, it is. No, wait. You said he plays two different characters. Yes. Does he play Randy as her son or play Randy as the real character? Randy as her son. Okay, yeah. She introduced him. This is my son, Randy. Yeah, because his name like, was okay. Randy at home. Apparently. So, I mean, it, it, the way that they're setting it up is that she literally, like, Tim. Like Tim died. He died. <laughs> he died. Yeah, but if she said Tom, is her name Jill? Wait. No. no what was her name in the show? Was it Jill? Yeah, Jill Taylor. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I'm watching that. I'm also watching some anime, like because I always I, I be staying watching anime. Like so you're Naruto. I'm, yeah, or but I'm watching Naruto. Ble- How do you say it? How are you supposed to Naruto. say Naruto? Okay. But I'm watching Bleach right now, which is really really good, and uh, I'm watching that. And then the wife's got me watching um, Vampire Diaries. Oh, okay. I, I love vampire shows and and. I movies. watched the first season of that, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna admit that I watched the first season of that without being made to watch it. Yeah, I just. But it was a struggle. It, re- was. It, it wasn't that bad. I definitely like Stefan more than Damon. That well, Damon, he's a turd. Well, Elena, they could do with. I mean, I know she's like the main character, but they could. Well, the the writer actually said she that left. Like, she, 
in the season six or seven that. or something yeah. like that. Right? Yeah, season six. She comes back at the end of season eight or something like that. But you know, the writer of the of the books that the these I TV show yeah, their books that they're based off of uh, even said that the main characters of her books and the TV show is de- this is the Stefan brothers you know, or the, the the Salvatore brothers right but the show made it look like she was the main character correct 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 but it's not the, the writer said this and even when she leaves you know it's just them two you know that I have running a friend the show. that I worked with her name was Lauren and she was obsessed with the show yeah, and she also yeah. liked Stefan and she hated Damon and all yeah. that so it's it's a good show but you, I just can't wait till the main uh, character Elena Nina Debrave leaves <laughs> I can't stand her it's just too <laughs> Too much sometimes. Like, you get to the point where you're like, oh, God. That's one of those TV shows that I had to stop watching because she got so annoying. Really? But, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm watching. I started watching some Transformer movies again just because I I watched Tax Collector uh, yesterday. And, you know, it it got a lot of bad rep for it, but it was actually not bad. It was really not that bad. Now, Shia LaBeouf was getting a little too crazy with the way he was acting because it was like... He was trying to act like, like a, when a, he's legitimately punching out Tom Hardy on the set. Yeah, of his other movie. Yeah, but he's uh, he plays a pretty good role, but he just lays on a little bit of an accent, and it's it it his accent's horrible. Doesn't land now. No. Do you have anything that you want to watch? Anything that you've seen out there that you haven't watched that you want to watch? Uh, man, I kind of want to get back into Psych. Watch that again. Well, and I've wanted to, but I've stopped myself because. I really want to see if we have time this year to do a podcast on Psych. It would be like an episode by episode thing, like like the guys that justify the groundless show. It takes a do. long time. It would, but I mean, I mean, you got any plans for the next ten years? I mean, <laughs> I mean, ten years, huh? I'm just saying, we yeah. might as well, right? You know, you yeah. do. Let's see, there's 16 episodes per season on that show, except for like the last one, I think. Um, and there's, I believe, six or seven. Was there eight? I have to look. Because I haven't seen it in a while. I know it's like one of my favorite shows, but um, those last few seasons gets a little a little yeah. jumbled at the end. But yeah. anyways, we really enjoyed this movie, so uh, give it a watch. Uh, like you said, you know, if you like Shakespeare movies, remakes, whatever, uh, this is a good retelling of it. Um, it is dated, as a lot of these 90s movies that we're talking about is. Uh, or R, excuse me, but um, it's it's worth it's worth it's worth giving a watch, um, especially to see uh, you know Heath Ledger in one of his roles, um, and, and it, I'd say his first American uh, defining role, his first Hollywood uh, movie, uh, what Knight's Tale, and a bunch of other stuff would follow after that, but. Uh, uh, very good movie. Give it a watch. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd pay money for it, but if, if it's ever on, you know, uh, give it a watch and, uh, you know, let us know what you think of it if you've already watched it. If you decide to watch it after this, uh, uh, let us know what you think of it. And uh, let us know what your favorite uh, 90s movies, uh, 90s teen movies. We are going to be doing two more episodes on 90s teen movies spilling over into February since we uh, had to take a week off. Um, so we're going to get those out to you guys, uh, and you'll uh, you'll see these in these episodes coming week uh if you guys want to get a hold of us uh, our instagram and facebook is at the post credit podcast uh twitter we're at the post credit and our email address is the post credit podcast at gmail.com we also have a website at the post credit podcast uh dot com uh and uh we're on youtube so look us up there hit us up uh, and uh, let us know what your favorites are we appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you next time and throw me a bone